talked a little bit about Breakaway Retreat over the weekend. We went to Tennessee Breakaway and road tripped the uh, three and a half hours or so to Goodlettsville, Tennessee, to go there to Jackson Conference Center campgrounds there uh, to worship and fellowship and hang out with our other Calpha friends from across the state. Like any good road trip, there in the van, we had some road trip snacks, right? Y'all brought some road trip snacks. There was all manner of snacks uh, in that van. There was salty stuff, spicy stuff, sweet stuff. Uh, and, and if you didn't bring it, you popped into the gas station and, and bought some more. I like this because I didn't bring any snacks in the van, but y'all were nice enough to share snacks with me. Like, I was good. Like, y'all were hitting me up, making sure the driver was, was well-snacked. In fact, I brought, I'm still working on my hot tamales. I do like them. It's just like, there's only so much I can eat at a time, and so I'm still working on this box of hot tamales. Y'all just decided I could have this? And so y'all shared with me. Appreciate y'all sharing uh, with me tonight, and it made me feel good to be to be shared with. Uh, it feels good to, to to be shared with. It feels good to share uh, what we have, and so I wanted to um, and extend that uh, to you guys tonight. You guys could experience that same experience of being shared with. Does that sound good? I've got some candy, a variety of different kinds of candy. Let's see what we got going on in here. Um, Anybody have any feelings or emotions about Reese's peanut butter cups? No. no. Okay, yes. Okay, so uh, here on this bag of Reese's peanut butter cups, uh, there is an imperative command. Not all candy comes with commands, but this one does. You guys read that from the distance? Share. share. It says share. I'm going to toss this to Joseph. Joseph, you rip it open, and uh, I'm going to toss it with my actual dominant hand. <laughs> nice catch. And so, yeah, rip, rip that open and go ahead and then share that. You can pass it along. Share that with the other people uh, that are nearby to you. Um, and they had two kinds of Reese's. I'm like, the dark chocolate one sounded interesting too, so I got that. It also has the imperative command on it to share. share. Here. I'm going to toss this and you ladies can kind of... Good catch. <laughs> Good job. Um, Kit Kat's too. Anybody feeling Kit Kat's? Kit Kat miniatures, individually wrapped. Okay, so these these also say share. Okay, so Bernicia, make sure you rip that rip that open. Make sure everybody gets some. Pass that around. If we do this right, everyone should have candy, right? Everyone should have something. If it's not something you like, man, you can pass it along. So this is Hershey's Kisses cookies and cream. Now I know from D class, at least one of you likes white chocolate, right? And maybe with some Oreos in it too. Uh, this candy, like the others, comes with the imperative command to. I'm aiming for you, Sophie, and you can rip it open and pass it along. Okay, well, close enough. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. What else we got? What else we got? So, I know not all of y'all even like chocolate. Like, like I don't totally understand it, but I do recognize that it is about chocolate. So, I've also got, uh, they have some Starburst, some Starburst to taste the rainbow. And this one also says sharing sharing size, right? So this is this is enough Starburst to share. And then rip this open and then pass it down. Everyone should have some candy. Everyone should have some candy. And my personal uh, road trip favorite, which I've not really figured out how to share other than just this pass around, is, is peanut m ms right? That's my go-to. And it says, it says up here, sharing size, right? Sharing size. Um, anybody, peanut m ms Okay, just make sure. We're going to keep practicing, and next time we do this, 
It's going to be perfect. No one's going to mistake me for Kansas City Chiefs footballman, quarterback, MVP, throws ball good. Yeah, anyway, so we all got candy. All right, let's settle in. You guys can pass the candy. You guys can share the candy. Does it feel good to share? I've totally lost you. Does it feel good to be shared with? It does. It does. It feels good to share. You guys have maybe had that experience where, man, you're feeling kind of hungry, like, and you're there at the study group, you're there at class, and somebody brought, like, that bag of chips, right? Or you're on the road trip, and you're in the car, right? And somebody's brought those snacks, and you're hoping deep down that they'll share. You're hoping to share, man. You don't know if they'll share or not, but you're hoping that they will, right? Or, they, or your roommate gets a pizza, and you know roommate is not going to eat that whole pizza. Now, they may save half for later, but you're hoping they're going to be like, you want some of this? Yeah, you want some of this pizza? And you're going to be like, yeah, for sure. It feels good to be shared with. Y'all got candy in the back? All right, good to see you guys. Um, it feels good to share, right? And, and not only does it feel good to be shared with, it feels good when you're the person sharing. You guys ever heard this maxim, it's better to give than receive? You guys ever given and were generous and it made you feel good? Yeah, God designed you that way, right? God designed you in his image, so you've got his character. God is a generous, giving, sharing God. And so when you give and you are generous, you're tapping into the character of God, and it feels good, right? It feels good to share to the point where, man, we kind of recognize when someone has plenty of something, there's almost like a moral obligation. Man, they ought to share. Why are you going to hog that to yourself? Like, you could be like... I earned it. This is my stuff. I'm keeping it. Well, I guess that's fine. But you're really robbing yourself of a blessing because if you were to share it, man, you'd feel good. You'd bless somebody else, right? And, and when we give, when we're generous, then God turns around and blesses us for that, right? You can't go wrong with sharing. You can't go wrong with generosity. And a lot of times, yeah, it seems like when someone really has a lot, man, they ought to share. They ought to give. It feels fair for someone that has plenty to share with others. And again, this doesn't always happen. We know this world. We don't, have, we don't live in a world where people share all the time. We know it doesn't always happen, but when it does, it feels good. And we rejoice. It feels right and good when someone shares, when someone's generous, and it makes us feel good too. And this is particularly true when it comes to sharing Jesus and the good news of his love and mercy with others. Not just sharing candy, not just sharing snacks, but sharing the hope we found in Jesus with people. That's not something we can keep to ourselves, right? You can decide, hey, this is my pizza. I'm eating the whole thing. But when it comes to the love of Christ, right? when it comes to the love of God, the mercy of God, God's grace in your life, that is not something to keep to yourselves, right? We've got to share. We've got to be generous to share with others like someone was generous to share it with us. So last semester, I began developing a series called God's Glory Among the Nations. And it's all about God's heart, right? And that God's heart is and always has been uh, to have relationship with all people of all nations. That he wants to see all people of all nations reconciled to him, having relationship with him. And his plan for achieving that is that he would be glorified throughout the earth through his people, right? He wants every human being on this planet to come to know him, to have relationship with him. And the way he goes about that is he sends you and me to glorify him among the nations. So we've been talking about God's glory among the nations. In those first couple messages last semester, we looked at how from Genesis to Revelation, 
Uh, all throughout Scripture, all throughout the Word of God, we see His heart again and again for all people from every nation to know Him. Uh, in November, we talked about the servant girl in, in Aram who used her position of influence there in the general's house to speak up and say there's a God in Israel who saves and heals. And we talked about no matter how insignificant you may feel or how you feel like, man, I don't have a lot of influence or I'm not in a position of authority, wherever you're at, God can use you to speak up about his glory and glorify him among the nations. Right, And so if you missed any of that, man, I can share my notes. All those messages are available to listen to online on the Kyle podcast. You can catch up, but, but also you're going to be fine for tonight. This week we're going to continue to develop this idea, though, of the Lord using us, the Lord using you and me to proclaim his glory to the nations. And we're going to pick up, pick up where we left off there in 2 Kings, uh, with 2 Kings chapter 6. And we're going to see that the good news of God's love is something for us to share and not keep to ourselves. And sharing the blessings of God's grace with others often means for us taking big risks. Who are, who's my risk takers? Yeah, a couple of y'all. A couple of y'all, right? A couple of those hands, I'm like, yep, exactly, yes, for sure. Um, and some of us are risk-averse. This is my hand, risk-averse. Um, but it's going to mean, you know, sharing God's love with others is going to mean taking some risks it's going to mean stepping outside what is comfortable for us, stepping outside our routine. And so when we last look at 2 Kings chapter 5, you can go ahead and turn there. Uh, the verses will be on the screen as well. The nations of Aram and Israel were at a relative peace with one another, right? So Aram borders Israel to the northeast. They've got an uneasy peace. I mean, it can only be so peaceful when you've got raiders and pirates going across the border and kidnapping people. But they were, they were not at active war. Um, but that relationship has deteriorated by chapter 6 when the king of Aram decides to go to war with Israel. You know, it may have had something to do with the conversion of Naaman, one of his prized generals, who is now a follower of Yahweh. We don't know for sure, uh, but this is where our text opens up tonight with these nations going to war. Aram has laid siege to Samaria, which is the capital there of the northern kingdom of Israel. They've laid siege to it. So if you guys are familiar with siege warfare in the ancient world, you, your army would surround the city so nothing gets in and nothing get, goes out. And eventually, then no resources coming in, people starve, and you wait them out until they surrender. Totally block them off. And this is what the, the army of Aram has done there to the city of Samaria, where we pick up in 2 Kings chapter 6, starting in verse 24. It says this. Sometime later, however, King Ben-Hadad of Aram mobilized his entire army and besieged Samaria. As a result, there was a great famine in the city. The siege lasted so long that a donkey's head sold for eight pieces of silver and a cup of dove's dung sold for five pieces of silver. If you're thinking to yourself that five pieces of silver is way too much to pay for dove poop, you're right. You're absolutely right. Um, this is how bad things were, though. This is how desperate things were in the city. The siege of the city had cut the people of Samaria off from all resources, and it caused a terrible famine. A terrible famine. There was no food at all, so much so that even scraps of things that may be edible, like a donkey said, scraps of things that may be useful, like some bird dung, uh, were sold for a fortune, right? Pieces of silver to buy anything that might be edible or useful. This is how bad the situation is. The siege goes on for so long that people are literally starving, so much so that people begin eating their own children. It's bad. 
It's bad. I'm going to skip over some of those verses that get kind of graphic. Sorry, Natalie, we're not going to talk about eating babies, but we're going to skip those passages and drop down to uh, chapter 7, verse 1. Now, Natalie and I were talking earlier, and she says that part always sticks in her mind. And it should, right? Things were really bad, really bad. Um, so there's a bad famine, right? Things are really desperate. However, the Lord speaks through his prophet Elisha that the situation is going to turn around. Say, man, I know things are bad. I know things are desperate. The situation is going to turn around. Food's going to be cheap and plentiful once again. So going down to 2 Kings 7, starting in verse 1, this is the prophet Elisha. Elisha replies, listen to this message of the Lord. This is what the Lord says. By this time tomorrow, the markets of Samaria, in the markets of Samaria, six quarts of choice flour will cost only one piece of silver. And 12 quarts of barley grain will cost only one piece of silver. Right? There's going to be so much food, the food's going to be cheap again. You're not going to be paying uh, a bunch of silver to buy some bird poop. Right? There's going to be plenty of flour, plenty of barley. You're going to have food again. This whole situation, which is bad and desperate right now, God's about to turn it around. By this time tomorrow, right? He's going to do it soon. By this time tomorrow, uh, this tragic situation is going to turn around. How can that be? How can that be? How's God going to do it? Well, that's what we're going to see in the passage we're studying tonight. And so we're going to pick up in verse 3 with the main chunk of our story. We're going to meet the characters of our story, uh, the four men with leprosy, here in 2 Kings chapter 7, starting in verse 3. It says, Now there were four men with leprosy sitting at the entrance to the city gates. Why are they sitting at the, the city gates? Because they've got leprosy. They've got this severe skin condition. And because of that, they are exiled from society, right? They can't mingle with the people because no one wants to catch the leprosy so they've got to live outside they're, they're, they're treated as outcasts they have to live outside the city and they're here sitting outside the gates and this is what they say to themselves why should we sit here waiting to die they ask each other we will starve if we stay here but with the famine in the city we're going to starve if we go back there so we might as well go out and surrender to the Aramean army if they let us live, so much the better. But if they kill us, hey, we would have died anyway. Right? This is their reasoning, right? These guys are reasoning it out. We're starving and going to die. Going to the city is pointless because they're all starving in there too. We'll die in there. Maybe, though, if we march right up to the enemy camp, I mean, they'll probably kill us, right? Probably. But who knows? Maybe they'll show us mercy. Maybe they'll welcome us in. Maybe as prisoners of war, we get meals, get some water, something. So say, hey... Staying here, though, is nothing, right? We can't stay here. Can't stay here. We're going to die. The whole city is in a desperate situation. But for these four men, it would have been especially bad because as lepers, like I said, they were outcasts from society. So they had even less social connection, even less access to resources than others. So much so that they had to dwell outside the city gates. And they say to themselves, hey, we've got to do something, right? Staying here is not an option. If we stay here, we die. If we go over there... We might die too, but there's a chance, right? There's a chance, even if it's a slim chance. Um, and if we stay here, we know we're definitely going to die, and we've got to do something, right? And so, and they've got enough wisdom, enough wherewithal in the moment to realize, hey, I can't just, if I stay in this situation, it's hopeless, I'm going to die. I've got to do something. I've got to move. I can't just keep things where they're at. And some of us are in not this exact predicament, but similar difficult predicaments. I mean, those kind of rock in a hard place type things where it's like, all my options seem bad. Uh, I, I need wisdom to choose the, the best of some bad options, but also I need to be honest with myself enough to realize I can't keep doing things like I'm doing. 
Something's got to change. I can't keep going around in circles. And some of us are trapped in routines and bad habits where we are doing the same thing again and again and again. Uh, and moving towards God, following Jesus might be uncomfortable, but we can't keep doing the same thing, right? Like it might, it, might, it might be risky. It might be uncomfortable. We might have to break off some routines and get rid of some bad habits to follow the Lord and, and pursue what God has for us. And we don't exactly know how it's going to shape out. But if we're honest with ourselves, we can't stay where we're at. We can't, right? Because some of, our, some of the habits, some of the routines uh, we're in are habits of brokenness that we've grown accustomed to, but they're leading to death and destruction and more brokenness, right? And we go around the circle again and again, and we're doing the things we don't want to do, and that makes us feel guilty, it makes us feel worse, and then we do it again, or we do it more. And it's a cycle, and things can't stay the same. There was probably before your time, Maybe before your time. A pop psychologist, TV personality, Dr. Phil. You guys know this doctor, Dr. Phil? He was a real doctor, I think, but he's more, more TV, TV celebrity, right? He, Dr. Phil would have people on his talk show, and they would talk about their problems. They would say, hey, I've got an anger problem, Dr. Phil, and he'd tell them all about it. And he'd say, okay, well, what, what do you do for that anger problem? Well, I, I do this and this, and mostly just yell at people and get real angry. And then he would ask them a, one question. He'd ask every episode, how's that working for you? How's that working for you? They say, oh, Dr. Phil, man, I've, I've got an addiction. Man, I'm an alcoholic, right? And so I always like, man, I'm really trying to break this habit. I always end up drinking and, and always end up blowing my paycheck on, on beer and stuff. And, and Dr. Phil would be real calm. I'm saying, and how's that working for you? Well, bad, right? And it's just a cycle and I'm stuck in it. And he's trying to get them to see if you keep doing the same thing again and again, you're going to keep getting the same results again and again. You've got to change something. You've got to do something different. Right? And so, again, none of us are lepers sitting outside the city gate starving to death, but we are in some situations where something's got to change. We can't just keep doing what we're doing. Right? We're in some, some, some routines, some habits uh, that come from a place of brokenness. Right? Man, from a place of brokenness, from a place of loneliness. Man, we, we've given into this temptation. We've developed this bad habit. It may have started as a way for, for dealing uh, with, like I said, loneliness or, or sadness or depression or anxiety. Man, this takes the edge off. This numbs the pain. This helps me to feel better even for a moment. Um, but after that, there's guilt and there's shame and we're stuck in it. Right? And that thing's no longer serving us. Jesus wants to give you freedom from that. Jesus wants to call you out of that. He wants you to follow him. But it's going to mean stepping out of that routine that you've grown accustomed to and you're a little bit comfortable with. Even though it's bad for you, it's comfortable. You guys know what I mean. Right? And, and so, like these men, it's going to mean stepping out of that comfort zone. And, and, and you don't exactly know what God has for you, but things can't stay the same. Things can't stay the same. So I want to encourage you guys, man, to be honest with yourselves and think about what is that for me, right? What, 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 what behavior pattern am I in? Man, man, what, what kind of ha you know, bad habit am I caught up in? And, and it was a way to cope with some brokenness, but it's really not serving me. If someone were to ask, how's that working for you? I'd say, man, it's not working for me, right? Because I keep keeping it up in the same place. Same bad things keep happening. End up more broken than I started. Jesus has better for you than that, right? God has better for you than that. So these four men with leprosy, they decide to go to the enemy camp. That may sound ridiculous, but they said, hey, these are our options. Die, die, or maybe die. Right? So I'm going to go with maybe die. So they go, to the, they go to the enemy camp in verse 5. So at twilight, they set out for the camp of the Arameans. And when they came to the edge of the camp, no one was there. Right? There's a camp, but no people. Verse 6, for the Lord had caused the Aramean army to hear the clatter of speeding chariots and the galloping of horses and the sounds of a great army approaching. 
The king of Israel has hired the Hittites and the Egyptians to attack us, they cried to one another. So they panicked and ran into the night, abandoning their tents, horses, donkeys, and everything else. They fled for their lives. God made them hear a sound of an approaching army. There was no approaching army. They got scared and they ran and they left everything behind. Verse 8, so when the men with leprosy arrived at the edge of the camp, they went into one tent after another, eating and drinking wine, and they carried off silver and gold and clothing, and they hid it. Verse 9, finally they said to each other, this is not right. This is not right. This is a day of good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. Where are those bags end up? We're not sharing it with anyone. Yeah, share it, right? We're not sharing it with anyone. That's not right. If we wait until morning, some calamity will certainly fall upon us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. Right? So these, these four lepers, they walk into the camp, and, and they're, they're, ready, they're ready to be arrested. They're ready to be beat down. Maybe ready to be put to death on sight. But they walk into the camp, and there's no people to do that. There's some animals. Right? There's the horses that got left behind. There's other animals. There's articles of clothing. There's gold and, and silver and plenty of food, which is what they really wanted. Uh, and they're enjoying it, right? So they go for going to one tent, they eat, they drink, they go to the next tent, they eat and drink, and they're all set. And, and, and they're getting some of the clothing and some of the gold, and they're, they're hiding out of the way, and they're saying, hey guys, we're, we're, we're living it up. We're living it up. And then it dawns on them, okay, this is really good, but what we're doing is not right if we don't share it with the rest of the city. Right? If we don't go tell the rest of the city what God's done and that all these resources and food are available to them, that's not right. right? We ought to share. We ought to share. Um, they don't just say, hey, look what God did for us. You know, sorry to be y'all, right? But no, they said, hey, we got to share. We got to share. What we're doing is not right. The Lord had richly blessed these men, but they knew that that blessing wasn't just for them. It was for the people of Samaria as well. And it wouldn't be right for them to keep it to themselves. I want to encourage you with this tonight. The blessing the Lord gives you are not for you to keep to yourself either. He blesses you to make you a blessing, right? All the blessings that enter your life, God loves you, right? He wants to bless you. He's a good father who knows how to take care of his children, right? He wants to and bring, bring love and joy and peace into your life. But all those blessings are not just for you, right? He wants to make you a blessing to the people around you. He wants to make you the person that enriches the lives of the people around you. He blesses you to make you a blessing, to share generously with those around you. And when you're faithful to share, you're faithful to be generous with a little, it demonstrates that you can be trusted with more, right? Say, man, I don't have enough to share. Like, I barely got the two pennies to rub together for myself. When you're faithful with a little, though, it demonstrates to God you can be trusted with more, right? So with the little I have, if I'm generous with it, if I'm grateful for it, if I'm giving thanks for it, like Natalie talked about a few weeks ago, if I've got gratitude, and if I'm also willing to share and help others, then that shows God, man, they can be trusted with more. They're not going to be greedy with it. They're not going to be selfish with it. So I can trust them with a little more. And as we demonstrate that faithfulness, man, God's going to be willing to funnel more blessing into your life because he knows you're a faithful person that's going to use it to enrich the lives of the people around you, bless the people around you. And so for the, for the purpose of our talk tonight, this isn't limited only to physical blessings, right? We think about blessings and we think about the piles of gold and, and silver and the food and the clothes and the donkeys and the horses these guys were enjoying. Uh, but we're not primarily talking about physical blessings only. For the purpose of our message tonight, I want to focus on our duty to share the message of God's salvation. 
to those around us and to the people of every nation. The Lord had saved the people of Samaria, but they didn't know it yet, right? God had provided a way for them to be rescued from that desperate situation, but they didn't know it yet. The Lord had saved the people of Samaria by causing the Aramean army to abandon their camp. And so that was the message that these four men with leprosy were bringing. The Lord saves and he's made a way out of your desperate situation. And guys, in a way, this is the exact same message you bring as well. right? To your classmates, to your friends, to your family members, to the people God places in your life that are far from God. There's a God that saves. He wants to rescue you from this desperate situation if you let him. God's already provided everything for them to be free, right? He already sent his son Jesus to die on the cross so their sins could be forgiven, so they could be set free uh, of that bondage of sin and death, so they could have eternal life and fullness of life in God. God's already provided all that on the cross, but they don't know it yet, right? And so they need some folks like us to go tell them, hey, there's a God that loves you. There's a God that saves. He's already done all the work to save you. And put your trust in Jesus. Put your trust in Jesus. So... For, for, for these men, you know, it, it meant going to people that they maybe had a little bit of a strained, difficult relationship with, right? As, as lepers, they were outcasts to society. These people maybe were derogatory towards them, looked down on them, mistreated them. But it wouldn't be right not to go and share the good news of salvation with them, right? For you guys, I mean, sharing the, the hope you found in Jesus, the hope of salvation, uh, may mean going to some people that you've got a strained relationship with. Some people that maybe have mistreated you that you'd rather not talk to, that you, you, you'd rather not, not start that conversation. But it wouldn't be right to keep it to yourself. It wouldn't be right because God loves them. And a lot of times that, that mistreatment came from a place of brokenness in them. We don't have any human enemies, y'all. You know, every single other person on this earth is just another broken person that desperately needs Jesus. Right? The, the Bible talks about our enemies being spiritual enemies. Right? Demonic powers, those kind of things. But other human beings... No, we don't have any human enemies. Our war, our battle is not against flesh and blood. So when you see someone, they may be antagonistic towards you. They're not your enemy, though, right? They're just another person who's broken, the needs the love of Jesus, right? And we can show them kindness. We can show them grace. We can show them mercy because God showed us kindness and grace and mercy. Amen. And so for, for these men, it meant going to a city full of people that maybe treated them bad, Right. And there may be people in our life that sharing the good news of God's love is going to be a little difficult. For these men in our story, it meant taking a risk also to engage with another culture, right? So, so it was a big risk to walk to the Aramean camp. To, I'm, I'm going to engage this other culture. I'm going to engage with this other nation. I don't know how they're going to treat me. But the plan of God was on the other side of them taking a risk and engaging another culture. And it's the same for us as well. If we're going to bring God's glory to the nations, it's going to mean taking a risk and going somewhere we've not gone and talking to some people we've not talked to and say, I'm going to engage with cultures that I'm not familiar with and comfortable with, right? It's real comfortable just to kind of hang around people of our own culture, right? Because we kind of know what to expect, right? We know how to talk. We know how to hang out. And, and, and there, there's some difficulty when you cross cultures, but God's plan for your life is on the other side of your willingness to engage other cultures because he's about his glory to the whole nations, right? his glory to the whole world. And to follow God, we've got to have priorities like he does. So for these men, it meant taking a risk to engage with another culture, to approach people of another nation. And as we understand that the Lord's heart is for all people of all nations to know him, engaging with other cultures, other nations is a key part of that. Following Jesus, allowing God to shape our heart and our priorities to be more like him. 
Have you ever thought about the idea that God's blessing and provision for your life is intertwined with your obedience and bringing God's glory to the nations? Right? Because these men were willing to engage with this other culture, engage with the other nation, the blessing of God was on the other side of that. And it may be the same for you as well. Right? God may have called some of you to bring his glory to the nations, to bring his glory to another culture, to proclaim Jesus to people that, that, that don't look like you, don't talk like you, right? That aren't comfortable to be around. But God's plan for your life, his provision, his, his blessing may be intertwined with your obedience and bringing his glory to those people. Going to people that may seem scary or hostile, bringing the good news to people who have possibly hurt or rejected you, but they're still broken people that need God. Something for us to think about, right? To be willing to say, God, if you call me, I'm going to go. If you tell me to go, I'm going to go. We've got two young ladies here tonight. Uh, they're doing a, a missions project trip over the summer. Ariel and Vernicia. Um, they're going to go. They're, they're, they feel like God's called them and they're going to obey the call of God. They're going to Alaska over the summer uh, is the plan uh, to go to Alaska. Is Alaska going to be beautiful? Yes. It's going to be amazing. They're going to see sights you do not get to see here in Shelby County, right? Um, they're going to see the Rocky Mountains. We have zero mountains here, right? Um, they're, going to, they're going to see some amazing sights. They're going to have some amazing experiences. Will it be easy? No. It's going to be difficult. Maybe some culture shock. Maybe these people are not anything like Memphians here in Alaska, right? It's going to mean stepping outside their comfort zone, but their obedience to God is going to make it worth it, right? hear this too, they're going to need your help to get there, right? What I'd like for us to do in Kyle, I want us to take up an offering next week to put towards their trip so that they can go, right? They've got 2500 each that they need to raise, and I want us to give a big chunk of that, right? If the Lord provides all of it, right? But we're going to take up an offering next week because we want to get them there. We want to be as their family. We want to send them as they're obeying the call of God to go to another culture, right? To bring God's glory to the nations. And I'm so proud that they're going. We've also got a spring break project uh, trip happening in like a week and a half, right? The, the, the first week of March where a team of y'all are going to Atlanta, right? To, to share God's love with and people in need there in downtown Atlanta. Man, we're going we're gonna, to pr pray for this team and, and going to hear good reports of what God does in their lives and how the Lord uses them there in Atlanta. And I want each and every one of you guys to be open to how God wants to use you right? to bring his glory to the nations. Even if it's uncomfortable, even if it's difficult, because uh, his heart is that they would know him, right? And as we begin to follow God, uh, our heart should begin to look more like his. We should become, become more passionate about the things he's passionate about. So if he's passionate about the lost and people that are far from him, we should be passionate about them too. Let's finish up the story. Verse 10. So they went back to the city and they told the gatekeepers what had happened. We went to the Aramean camp, they said, and no one was there. The horses and donkeys were tethered and the tents were all in order, but there wasn't a single person around. Then the gatekeepers shouted the news to the people in the palace. You think they were glad to hear that news? Dropping down to verse 16. Then the people of Samaria rushed out and plundered the Aramean camp. So it was true that six quarts of choice flour were sold that day for one piece of silver. And 12 quarts of barley grain were sold for one piece of silver, just as the Lord had promised. All right, God promised, I'm going to turn this situation around by this time tomorrow. And it was done, just as he promised it. They had all that they needed. These four men with leprosy felt an obligation 
a duty, a moral imperative to share the good thing they've found with others. And do we feel that same way? Right? Do we feel that responsibility, that moral imperative that, man, I've got to share this good news of God's love and salvation with the lost. It's not right to keep it to myself. There's people that are broken and far from God. God loves them. They don't know what Jesus has done for them. I've got to share it. It wouldn't be right to keep it to myself. They said if we keep it to ourselves, it wouldn't be right. They believed that if they didn't share the good news, that they would be punished for it. I mean, did you catch the conversation they had? said, hey, if we keep this to ourselves, some calamity is going to come upon us, right? Some punishment is going to come upon us. Like, some curse is going to come upon us. If we keep this to ourselves, that's not good, right? That, that, that's how strong this obligation is. Like, the imperative share on the bag of Reese's, right? Like, like you better do it. Who knows? I, I don't know that the Reese's Corporation is going to check and make sure you shared it, but I'm glad you did, just in case, right? Just in case. They were right. You know, they were worried about, man, you know, maybe we'll be judged if we don't share. Maybe something, you know, something bad will happen if we don't share. Their thinking was right on this. God's people have a duty and we will be judged and held accountable for our failure to bring the good news of salvation to those around us and our failure to proclaim God's glory to the nations. That may be difficult and tough to hear, but it's true. Right? That's something we're going to be held accountable to. Did we bring God's glory to the nations? Did we proclaim the salvation of God to the people around us? We're going to be held accountable for that. Let's look at these two verses. God says in Ezekiel chapter 3. This is Ezekiel 3.18. God speaking here. Ezekiel 3.18. If I, that's the Lord, if I warn the wicked saying you are under the penalty of death, but you, that's talking about us, fail to deliver that warning, they're going to die in their sins. And I will hold you responsible for their deaths. He says, if I warn people that their sins are going to lead to death, and you fail to deliver that warning, right, then they're going to die in their sins, and I'm going to hold you responsible. That's tough. That's a hard word. That's a hard word. Uh, The New International Version puts it this way. When you do not warn them or speak out to dissuade them from their evil ways in order to save their life, That wicked person will die in their sin, and I'm going to hold you accountable for their blood. Yikes, man, that's tough. That's tough. If we fail to warn people who are far from God and trapped in sin, if we fail to point them to the God who can save and restore him, the Lord will hold us responsible for that. We're going to have to give an account of why we couldn't be bothered to help rescue people around us who are drowning. We just couldn't be bothered to share about the hope we found in Jesus. And this isn't meant to bring guilt or condemnation on you, but to motivate you to search your own heart and allow the Lord to make you passionate about what he's passionate about. And he's passionate about people. And he's passionate about the lost being reconciled to himself. So we want to love people like God loves people, and we want to grieve like God grieves over the lost. You know, he says, I'm going to hold you accountable for that. And, and, and when we think about that, like I said, there, there's not a condemnation there. You know, that shouldn't make you be end up with guilt and shame because there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. But the Bible does want you to know that as as believers, we're accountable to some things. And elsewhere in Scripture, it tells us we're accountable for every idle word we speak. That means one day we're going to stand before God in heaven and we're going to have to give an answer for every stupid thing we've ever said, right? That's going to be a tough day, right? That's going to be a tough conversation to sit before God and he's say, what do you mean by that? Uh. Right? But that's what the Bible says. We're going we're to have to give account for every idle, that means kind of stupid, meaningless word we spoke. 
Well, this is another thing that the Bible says we're going to have to give an account for. We're going to be held accountable for. We're responsible for. Did you warn people who are trapped in sin and, and destructive behaviors and, 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 and things that were ruining their life? Did you warn them and tell them, hey, there's a way out of this des- desperate situation. God's provided a way to save you and rescue you from this. Did you warn them? Or is that, I couldn't be bothered. I couldn't be bothered because we will have to give an account for that. Yeah. And again, this, this is not this is not to plunge you down. And, oh, I'm just I'm just the worst. No, it's not that. It's not that. But it should motivate us. God, I want to have a heart like you have for people that I would love people so much. that when I see them, man, I, I can't I can't just let them go on not, not knowing Jesus. And, it, and it's up to them to choose. Do they want to receive it? Do they want to re- reject it? I can't make them, but I can't make sure I tell them. I can't make sure I tell them, hey, uh, I want to share the good news of Jesus with you. I want to share about the difference God's made in my life, the, the, the peace, the hope, the love I've found in Jesus. I want to make sure you know what God's done for you. And then whatever you want to do with it is fine, but, but I don't want you just to pass through my life and I never, I never told you, I never warned you. You guys see the difference there? Right, so again, I, I, mean, I, don't, I don't want to bring you down, but I want to encourage you, motivate you. And that's part of the reason I want to give you candy because I know that this part of the verse is going to be tough, right? This part of the message is going to be tough, but you've already eaten some sweets and maybe you, you like me a little better. Um, I've earned some credibility there. We want to have a heart like God, right? And we want to realize we're going to have to give an account. Right? And so when we think about the people in our lives, I mean, I don't have to say to God someday, oops, you know, I, I guess I could. You're right. I could have told him. I just I got caught up talking about something else. or I got caught up in my own stuff. This isn't just an Old Testament concept either. Uh, the Apostle Paul references this passage when he's wrapping up his ministry uh, in the region of Ephesus. This is Acts chapter 20. It's our last verse for tonight. Acts 20, uh, starting in verse 26. It says, therefore, I declare to you today, I am innocent of the blood of any of you, for I've not hesitated to proclaim the whole will of God. You know, the same duty, the same sense of responsibility to the lost is what motivated Paul. And he said this after proclaiming Jesus for three years among the Ephesians. He says, I'm innocent of your blood. Right. Uh, you know, the, the, this moral imperative we have to warn people from their sins, to point towards the God that saves. I spent three years among you Ephesians preaching Jesus, telling you about the God who loves you, right? Uh, uh, building a church here, and I can, I can say, hey, my hands are clean, right? When I have to stand before God and give an account, I say, Jesus, I did my very best. I told as many people as I could, right? And, and, and I'm innocent of your blood. Uh, that, that Paul took this concept seriously. And it's something for us to take seriously as well. Again, not from a place of shame, not from a place of condemnation, because that doesn't come from God, right? But from a place where, Jesus, I want my heart to look like your heart. I want to be passionate about the things you're passionate about. If you're passionate about people, I want to be passionate about people. If you're passionate about God's glory to the nations, I want to be passionate about God's glory to the nations and making sure every single person has a chance to hear the gospel. Make sure every single person has a chance to know Jesus. Someone once said that sharing the gospel with others is like beggars telling other beggars where to find bread, right? You think, I'm not somebody, uh, man, I'm, I'm not somebody important, I'm not somebody special, no, I'm just another beggar telling some other beggars where they can find some bread, right? Uh, that, 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 I, that I stumbled into the camp and there was blessing there for me, but I know it's not right to keep it to myself. Hey guys, there's a whole feast over here waiting for you. I'm just a beggar telling some other beggars where they can find some bread. We're obligated to share what we've found. So what about us? Who do you know right now who is starving and needs to know where they can find the bread of life in Jesus that's going to restore their soul? Right? Who do you know 
right now. And he needs to know what Jesus has done for them. Would you guys close your eyes? I, I want you to picture their face. Each and every one of us can probably picture somebody uh, that, that without Jesus, man, they're, they're hopeless, they're desperate, they're far from God. I want you to picture their face right now. And let's pray together. Holy Spirit, would you give us an opportunity, even in the next three or four days, to have a conversation with them and share the hope we found in Jesus with them? And how they react to that is not our responsibility. Holy Spirit, we know it's only you that draw people to the Father. But help us to be obedient. And to tell them, to tell them there's a God that loves them, that wants to save them. God, help us to picture, picture in our mind's eye that person that's far from God, to think about them. And Holy Spirit, give us an opportunity to share with them. Even this week, God. God's heart is and always has been for all people of all the world to know him and be reconciled to him forever. And his plan for achieving this is by using you to be glorified throughout the earth through his people. And sharing the blessings of God's grace with others means taking big risks and stepping outside what's comfortable and routine to bring the good news to difficult people in difficult places. Are you willing to let the Lord use you in that way? This is a somber moment because this is real life stuff. And God wants to use you to rescue people out of desperate situations if you'll let them, if you'll cooperate with them, if you'll be obedient. God, I'm so thankful for the community uh, we have here in Kyle, for all the ways you've blessed us, God, for these friendships, all the ways that, that we're encouraged by coming together. God, I know there's people outside these doors that, that don't know you, that are far from you, that don't have that kind of community, that don't have that kind of encouragement, and they're lost in their sins. God, I pray that, that, that we would not be unbothered by that. We would feel that, that moral imperative, that responsibility, that duty to share, to share what's already been shared with us. We're thankful for the people that went before and shared the gospel with us. Maybe it was mom, maybe it was dad, maybe it was a grandparent, maybe it was a Sunday school teacher, a pastor, a friend. We're so thankful that you put them in our life. God, I pray we want to keep it to ourselves. We would be quick to share with others, to share the hope that we found. And I want to encourage you guys, the more you do it, the more comfortable it will become. The more you open your mouth and you're willing to say, Holy Spirit, give me an opportunity to speak, and you, and you step up and you take that opportunity, the more natural, the more easy it's going to become. Holy Spirit, would you anoint um, and these men and women, God. Um, God, would you give them confidence, boldness? God, some of them I know are terribly shy. And the idea of speaking up and sharing Jesus with somebody uh, terrifies them. God, we know you've not given us a spirit of fear. And I pray that your perfect love would so fill their hearts that it would drive out every ounce of fear. That there'd be no anxiety, no, man, what are people going to say? What are they going to think? That we'd just be so consumed with your love that that would dominate every other emotion. We just want to show them the love of Jesus. God, give us courage, give us boldness to speak. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen, praise the Lord. So what are we going to do? We're going to share? Yeah, we're going to share.